guys, we're kicking off with the second part of our two-part series, Mind versus Soul, sharing tips and advice and also providing encouragement on the subject of mental health. Here's a preview of part one. Make sure you check it out. Has all of these physical symptoms like dizziness and you know lightheadedness and you, your heart's kind of beating out of your chest and you kind of feel just I think what doctors describe is an impending doom. It just feels like the world is going to end in those kind of few minutes. I was, as I said, 19 at the time, and I was having these kind of on a daily basis and trying to manage, you know, a university degree and, you know, your social life and your church life and then finding yourself. On this episode, we're discussing with Ayokone Falomo, a talented poet with a training in education in psychology, and he was a speaker at TED Talk Houston. Welcome, Aya. So, Aya, could you tell us within 30 seconds, that's the challenge, tell us a little bit more about you. All right. In 30 seconds, who I am, usually I like to start my story from the fact that I came to the United States uh, with my dad in 2007. And really, like, went through education for the most part. Like, went to University of Houston for my undergrad in psychology. And then went to Sam Houston State for my master's, also in psychology, but I specialized in school psychology. And outside of that, I do poetry, and I'm passionate about that, alongside education and stuff like that. So, yeah. Okay. So, you mentioned poetry. So, that's obviously a talent. We've read some of your poems. And just out of curiosity, what point did you know that you had this gift to write? At what point did you start writing poems? Well, I've always kind of written, but I didn't start writing poems until like around 2012. So when I started writing, of course, I was writing short stories. Mostly it was like me copying sometimes word for word as a three-year-old, as a five-year-old. Uh, stories that I had read and like me copying it into my notebook and changing some of the words and retelling it in my own voice, so to say. Uh, that's kind of how I started. And then, of course, I started writing my own stories. I uh, started writing other stuff, plays. I directed plays like at a, you know, when I was young, 10 years old, uh, for my church. Yeah, I was writing the scripts for those plays. So I've been writing for a long time, but didn't start writing poetry until 2012. Okay. So who influences your poems or your things that you write? Life does, for the most part. Like Life influences a lot of art, a lot of writing, a lot of painting or whatever. Mine especially too, just like life experiences. But also when you surround yourself with like a lot of poetry people like a lot of poets most of my friends are poets so it's like you kind of have no choice and especially because they are so good you have no choice but to like write good stuff it kind of challenges you to go back and and write stuff that's actually good but yeah life and also like people that i that are around me and then people that i watch of course people that i look up to whose writing influences me as well. Awesome. And to our listeners, we're doing something very different here. Actually, Ayo is going to spit something for us right quick. It was a poem that he recently wrote that we absolutely loved. And to make it a little bit fun, we're going to try to dissect 
what he what he's saying because i'm pretty sure a lot of people anytime they hear poetry they want to understand okay some of it they do understand some of it they're kind of like where did it come from so we're trying to make this a little bit fun and dissect his poem and see what he was talking about in some of the lines so aya without further ado could you please recite your latest poem called my latest poem was like two seconds ago no i'm kidding (laughs) <laughs> the poem you're talking about was written like in October 2nd or so and then posted it like around like a few days after but doesn't really have a title right now I'm calling it Let's March on Fellow Soldiers but that might change so here we go I've learned that what counts as blessing or offering does not always come with smoke and what is this breath still offering itself up as praise for the blessing that is itself not a paradox or miracle when I was a boy I was taught that lost or wonder did not always mean gone forever was taught to leave the makeshift pen open so the goats we raised could come back home was taught to count breath like Which one didn't find its way back home tonight was taught to count my blessings. Now I count on these hands that was given me by my father. How many of my brothers and sisters' breath I can still account for? And is this too not a blessing? Is this too not a miracle that we, the sons and daughters of the God of my mother, did not today have to walk through a sea of red to get to the promised land? Yes. Our feet are sore, but we are not home yet. The bullet sought us today, I'm sure, but the bullet did not find me or you. The pills did not force the throat of death open. No, it refused tonight to swallow you whole. It's true. The mouth of the bottle can be a weight too heavy to swim with or throw. But look at you. You got to the bottom of it and did not drown. See, I too have looked down the cliff too many times. and I've been tempted to jump. There have been days I did not. Days when the bed held my feet and whole body hostage. But these days, I jump for joy. I, after all, I'm a boy obsessed with living. I am alive. It's my favorite chorus on core. It's a story I've been writing since birth. It's beautiful. Listen, can you hear it? Can you hear how the wind carries the sound of my voice on its back? Can you hear it? The echo of a life that tried to, to escape with the wind, this never-ending breath. A song sung in the key of a life, come here. Let us make the whole world our dance floor, come dance with me. Hold my hand, trust, I understand. And for the things I don't, forgive me, forgive me. If I refuse to speak nothing but that which is true, and it's true. There isn't always light at the end of the tunnel, sunlight. All there are is more tunnels to walk through. And so, for the days your feet are tired of walking and can't stand to bear the weight of your body or soul, I promise to take a seat with you. Yeah, (laughs) you saying it is even better than how we read it in the first place. That's really deep. Thanks a lot for doing that. 
So I'm going to read the part where it says, what is this breath still offering itself up as praise? I'm trying to copy you, as you can tell, as praise for the blessing that is itself, if not a paradox or a miracle when I was a boy. So I'm thinking here that you're expressing gratitude for being alive. Absolutely. Okay, got it. That is always something that pops up in my... Actually, like, if you... So, on the notes page, I kind of put some things earlier on before that, right? The number five thing was, like, a conversation with one of my friends. And the conversation started as, man, you're so obsessed with being alive. You're so obsessed with living. Like, I want to hear why that is, you know, because that shows up in my poems a lot. I talk about like the joy of being alive. Like it really is something that I'm like, wow, like this breath, like it's not going to be here forever. But for the moment that it is here, like I'm grateful for it. It's that line is like, you know, what is this breath? Like the same breath that I offer to God to say thank you for being alive. It's offering itself as praise to God for the blessing. And the blessing itself is still that same breath and that's like just wild to me like i'm thanking god for something that is a blessing but also like me giving praise for that blessing it's just it's wild i don't know for me it is okay so moving forward a little bit it says when i was a boy i was taught that lost or wonder did not always mean gone forever was taught to leave the makeshift pen open so the goats we raised could come back home and here, I mean, what I see, what we see is like a prodigal son, someone that's stubborn because the goat is stubborn, right? And the goat, is that your African influence? I'm just curious. <laughs> yeah, we actually raised goats. So this is literal, but also, yeah, it's a reference to the prodigal son. But we actually did raise goats, yeah. And yeah, we actually had to leave the door open so that Whenever, sometimes it would be gone for like three days or whatever, but like they can always come back. And sometimes they did. And we would like, we would count every night, like, okay, which one isn't here tonight? Literally. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, So we're going to move down a bit. And okay. So how many of my brothers and sisters, Brad, can I account for? And it's still, is this too not a blessing? Is this too not a miracle that we, these sons and daughters of of the God of my mother, did not today have to walk through the sea of red to get to the promised land? Yes, our feet are sore, but we're not home yet. And then it goes to the bullet part. So for between those lines, is there also a reference to Black Lives Matter? Yes. We should is be that something passionate, you're passionate about. about? Lives. <laughs> yes, absolutely. But when I say brothers and sisters, like yeah, you know, I know. <laughs> the human race, of course, like we're all connected in that sense. But also specifically speaking, like when I think of my friends, I think of like this is an extension of my family. So I see them as brothers and sisters and also like on the global level too. like literally people like I might not know them personally, but I feel a certain kinship to that because it could very well be me tomorrow. So that's kind of the idea for for that. Okay, and then the next part of the poem says, The peels did not force the throat of death open. No, it refused tonight to swallow you whole. 
It's true, the mouth of the bottle can be a weight too heavy to swim with or through. But look at you. You got to the bottom of it and did not drown. See, I too have looked down the cliff too many times and have tempted to jump. So here, I really I really don't want to interpret much. We don't want to, you know, go into details of this, but we want you to spend some time, you know, just briefly explaining your mental space with this particular part of the poem. So this particular portion of the poem is, you know, again, it kind of started with the brothers and sisters uh, part, breadth that I can still account for. And like I kind of wrote earlier that I wanted to write a poem for my friends. These are, you know, the poems that I referenced in the beginning are poems that were written by other people for and about their friends. And I wanted to do the same thing for people that I know Literally speaking, as the line says, the pills did not force the throat of death open for people who might be struggling with like suicide, you know, and they want to like swallow pills to to kill themselves. I know people who have issues that's very, very real. And also people who find solace in a bottle of alcohol. Personally, I don't have a struggle with that. I don't have a struggle with the pills issue as well, but I, I know people who do. But my issue is the next few lines that say, There have been days I did not, days when the bed held my feet and whole body hostage. It's a literal fact. When you've had like episodes, two primarily major ones that I can vividly remember of depression, when, you know, like a lack of pleasure is a real thing whenever you're going through uh, stuff like that. You don't want to do anything. You don't want to leave the house. Uh, you don't want to talk to anybody for an extended period of time. And then seasonally, of course, you have days like that. And there have been actual days like that when that lack of desire, you know, is there. But thankfully, there is hope, right? I still jump for joy. I am obsessed with the fact that I am not at a point where I'm considering jumping off a cliff, either literally or, you know, metaphorically. Like, I'm not a, at a point where I'm like, okay, I'm going to take my life. But for some people, that is a real thing, right? And, and that's kind of what I was appealing to. Like, hey, some people want to deal with that issue by swallowing pills because it's it's too much. They can't cope with it. Some people find alcohol to deal with it or whatever the case might be. But for me, even though there have been days like that, I care so much about the fact that, hey, I don't know how long me being alive will be a real thing. And that should be the same for all of us, right? Because we don't know how long we actually do have. But for the moment that I do have, like, I am obsessed with the fact that, wow, this is a miracle that I kind of have to hold dear, even though it might want to slip through my fingers at some point. <laughs> this is definitely deep. And I remember our first conversation when I mentioned this part to you about expressing yourself about mental health. And we were both joking how like we're both Africans and that's something that is like a taboo topic, not only in the Christian community, but also in the African community as well. Yeah. So have you ever felt like at some point before you actually came out with how you felt, have you ever felt like you couldn't really express yourself and what you were dealing with because of where you're coming from, like because of the attitude towards it? For sure. That's a real thing. That was public, but the people who are like close to me know about it. So it's not like a 
real shocker. My mom knew about it, and we actually did have a conversation about it recently. But I mean, the people around me, my friend Ide, especially, like knew about those two episodes that I talked about. Like it was there. It saw it happen over like I'm not talking like two days. Like oh, I always sat. No, it's like this was an extended something that lasted like. The first episode lasted like maybe two years and it was like ongoing. Yeah. So, I mean, when we talk about that, it's, I mean, we all feel sad sometimes. It's the, how do you say, the length of time it takes and the severity of it is what actually differentiates someone being sad versus someone who's actually going through like a major episode of, of that. And that's not to say that it's going to be every time, but those two episodes specifically. I didn't know how to tell my dad that I was like, you know, going through stuff like that. Because number one, I didn't even know what was going on. I didn't even know how to like explain it. But what I started noticing was like lack of desire to do anything. That kind of came with like lack of appetite as well. I couldn't eat anything. I had no desire to eat anything. Most of the times, like I would just have a fruit or something. And my dad would say, you know you can't survive on just fruit. But I couldn't, it's like I really don't want to eat anything because I can't feel it kind of thing. Like It's like I know I'm supposed to be eating, but it's like I know, but there is no, like how do you eat whenever there is no something in your system saying you need to eat? So that was there, all that kind of stuff. But I didn't know how to explain to him. It wasn't until later that I was, talking to my mom uh, who at that point was like still back in Nigeria actually I was kind of explaining the whole situation uh, to her and then at this point too of course I'm in my undergrad in psychology so I'm kind of catching up to oh this is what it is okay Uh, so and having to like explain that to her and of course you know talking to my youth pastor at that time and of course this whole idea of like you know you're not depressed in Jesus name and then like confess your sins and it's like I didn't do anything wrong it's just you know it's just life situation and you know like maybe a predisposition that was already there to that, you know, like just everything kind of manifesting at the same time. And for a period of time, yeah, they prayed and it was like, okay, maybe things are getting better now or actually, you know, maybe not, but you kind of have to, because prayer is supposed to work. So you're supposed to say now you're healed in Jesus name. So that kind of went on for a while. And I was like, no, it's actually still going on and being honest about that and all that kind of stuff but yeah culturally speaking either with with christianity and also with like african culture it can be a taboo but thankfully i had um yeah i had someone to talk to i had people that were like you know like no a behavior aspect of it is like you can't just sit in the house even though you don't want to do anything and at that time too i was like an extreme introvert uh, so I was like, I would talk to my mom about all these things. And one of the greatest advice she, she gave me at that moment in my life, and I still remember to this day, is, yeah, you're an introvert, but that's not going to change. Stop using that as an excuse and go out and do stuff. And uh, I took that advice and that kind of helped me a lot. 
Oh yeah, awesome. And we could also see the hope that you have and like you say, the obsession with living through the end of the you know, the poem from Come Dance With Me. And our favorite part is definitely the part where you said, it's true, there isn't always light at the end of the tunnel, but some nights all there are is more tunnels to walk through. And the other part, obviously, when for the days when you're feeling your feet are tired of walking, I can't stand, you know, I promise to be there and stuff like that. We just wanted to pretty much that part. We can guess that is your obsession with living, right, with helping people and with encouraging people and just moving past what you're currently going through. Right. Or moving in it, moving right along. Oh, moving right. Oh, that's good, yeah. And the thing is, like, things are great for me right now, but I can't say the same for a lot of other people. And that's not to say that things are always going to be this way. Who knows, right? I would like for things to be always great, but we all know that's not really how life works. So regardless of whatever the situation might be at this present moment, whether it is dark or not, I just, like... I would like to offer the same thing that I've been offered to me, like with my mom, with my uh, core support, like people, with my siblings, with my dad, even at some point, even though like, what is this kind of thing whenever the whole thing was going on? But yeah, like the same support that I feel, the same hope that I do have, I mean, I hope other people can kind of take that on as well. And, you know, like I've had people actually walk up to me like to appreciate the fact that even though things might not be grand they can still take that one thing like hey you're alive and i'm happy you are and there is still hope uh even though things might be going wrong yeah awesome and obviously you can't always be there for everybody so those people that might not be able to encounter your awesome self do you have any resources or like tips or books or anything that helped you out or you think will help people out in whatever they're going through? Really, I would say number one thing, like seek help, whatever that is for you. And part of that is like surrounding yourself with people that understand whatever the situation might be and will also like help you uh, get through that situation. And I'm saying get through, not that like, oh, now you're like, oh, everything is fine. Everything is great. That's not really what I'm talking about. But get through in the sense that if it just means like living one more day, that's success. That's amazing. Even if it means just getting through the whole day and you're not harming yourself, you haven't killed yourself. That's great success. Just surround yourself with people. And also seek out help, be it like mental help, getting a therapist. Um, some people medication works for them. Uh, some people medication doesn't work. Part of that is like behavior changes, getting more involved with like activities, whatever the case might be, reading books. For me, it was more so like the behavior uh, change that helped me deal with that situation. I knew to like go to like a counselor, uh, or, or the counseling center at the two of my uh, of my campuses, but I didn't go because of number one the the stigma still attached to it, 
and also like how do I exp- I don't know just weird things and we we give our, ourselves like, excuses all the time but for me while I was in grad school it was like how do I explain to someone that I am in grad school learning how to provide mental health services and I'm in need of it like that's just like the person is gonna judge me like oh you can't handle all these responsibilities. You can't handle life. Whatever excuse I gave myself then, I mean, I wanted to, but I just didn't know how to seek help. That's the one thing I'll say. Yeah. Thank you so much. I, uh, we appreciate your time and your knowledge and your poem and you spitting for us and dissecting exactly it was so beautiful and to our listeners all the information you need uh, about Ayo is going to be found on our website and we're going to give uh, the details also the poem itself so you can read it through and share it with people that you care about Ayo before we conclude this interview we like to ask our guest one closing out question and it states if you had one day with god what question will you ask him and why oh i don't think i would ask any question not even one (laughs) no i've run out of questions (laughs) i would just say thank you honestly wow this will probably be another episode, but no, I went through a great deal of my life asking questions and very existential questions. Uh, went through like an entire phase of questioning and I just don't, yeah, I'm not in the mood for that anymore. I'm just appreciative. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that with me. Learn from that. That is so good. good. Well, thank you so much, Ayo. It's been a pleasure. I hope you had fun with us as well. This was amazing. Thank you guys for giving me the opportunity to do this. Oh, thank thank you you for coming. Yeah, thank you for joining us. We've come to the end of our series. Thanks again to our guests, Rachel and Ayo, for sharing your stories and giving tips and advice to our listeners. Catch you next time on Millennial Faith Podcast. For all resources, check out our website, and we would love your feedback. You can send an email to hello at millennialfaithpodcast.com, or you can tell us what you think on our social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram. Till then, catch you next time on Millennial Faith Podcast.